Blog Talk Radio. Stark. This is Three Women, Three Ways. We're the show that kind of tackles some uh, um, information that you might not find in some of the mainstream media, and uh, we usually have a good time doing it. You know, I've been doing the show for three years now, and I am constantly astounded at how new everything is. When I first started doing this, I thought, yeah, I should be able to get up, you know, maybe six months' worth of brand-new topics to talk about, and it's three years later, and still finding topics that haven't been uh, uh, that, that a lot of people don't know about and that haven't been covered well. And one of our topics today is, fits that that category. Um, we're talking about a report that came out on the status of the world's fathers. Now we hear a lot about fathers and fatherhood, and we hear, um, you know, if you if you Google fatherhood, uh, your chances are about two thirds of your information that pops up is going to be for sites for fathers' rights, and you know, talking about custody and uh, parental alienation and all this kind of stuff. But this study is a global study on fatherhood not father's rights as such, and it was a fascinating study. I have my guest with me, Rudy Levtov. Thank you for joining us, Rudy, and welcome. Thanks for having me. Hi, everyone. Yeah, and we're going to talk about this report today because what's fascinating about this report is that there are some generalities that can be made. You know, we tend to think, if we're in the States, we tend to think of ourselves as, as well, I think we all do. We we just tend to think of what is in our lives as what's happening with with everybody's lives. And, of course, we know that that's, intellectually, that that's not always the case. But there were some really startling similarities that this report uncovered and the conclusions uh, that the report came up with are really fascinating. So, Rudy, tell us, who sponsored this report, and what is your part? How, how, why do you know about this report? <laughs> sure. Um, so the State of the World's Fathers, this is the first report um, of this kind that has been published, um, was published as part of the MenCare campaign, which is uh, a sort of initiative that is sponsored by or coordinated by the organization that I, worked up, that I work at called Promundo, uh, together with several other organizations, Sanke Gender Justice, which is an organization in South Africa, uh, Save the Children, which which is a large organization that hopefully many of you are, are familiar with, um, and Rutgers, uh, an organization in the Netherlands that focuses on uh, sexual reproductive health and rights. And the Men Care campaign, those are the sort of coordinators of the campaign. We have partners in now more than 30 countries that are committed to working on engaging men as fathers, as caregivers, uh, to promote gender equality and prevent violence. So the campaign's been going on for about two years, uh, well, actually longer now, um, four years, but it had been going on for about two years when we felt the need to have uh, sort of a document that pulls together a lot of the research, a lot of the evidence around the importance of men as caregivers, and that really makes a strong argument for why this is important, not just for men and going back to this issue of, of, you know, rights of fathers and things like that. So we're, we're coming from a different perspective saying that men's caregiving is important for women's rights. It's important for the rights and the well-being of children, and it's important for the well-being of men themselves. Um, so that's sort of where the, the report came about. Uh, my involvement in it uh, is I'm one of the authors of the report and coordinated the, the editor of it, so coordinated the production of it. And um, we've been really excited to see that the energy that it's generated and the interest that it's generated um, from from lots of different groups of people and lots, lots of individuals, you know, men and women and families. Well, I think looking at fatherhood from a global standpoint is something that I haven't really heard about before. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think that um, a lot of women might say that they have been working with, you know, the issue of fatherhood in their personal lives, but not necessarily, again, globally. So the idea mm -hmm. of, of kind of taking individual experiences and looking at it from that, that worldwide standpoint is kind of fascinating to me. And as I said, mm -hmm. 
I found it fascinating, too, the similarities, um, you know, from around the world, because we tend to think of ourselves as very different from other countries. Um, and yet there are some huge similarities there. So tell me, how was the study conducted? I mean, did you, you know, mm-hmm. post a survey on Survey Monkey, you know, for everybody in the world to do? <laughs> I mean, how did you do mm-hmm. the – how did you gather information and the data that you used in the report? Mm-hmm. So um, again, we've been working on this topic for for a few years, so we're you know very familiar with a lot of the the, the evidence that already exists. Um, for this report, unfortunately, we were not able to collect new data. But what we did do is basically mine all of the sources that we could find. Um, you know, whether this is journal articles, whether it's examples of programs um, and policies from around the world, uh, lots of different data sets that. Um, collect information on families and on men and women's uh, issues. So, for example, in the report we have um, one of the main areas that we were interested in is how people spend their time. So, basically, who does the care work in in a household? Um, And so one of the things that we have is data that the UN has put together on time use, so basically the time that people spend every day on unpaid care, on domestic work, and then also on on work, you know, in the workforce. Um, So we have information on that. We have information on um, issues around violence, around corporal punishment, um, around violence against women. We think these are issues that are related to fatherhood that we can talk a little bit more later on. We have information about... um, studies that we've looked at, looking at uh, sort of the, the whole spectrum of from before the, the conception of a, of a pregnancy to um, all the way through sort of sex education for kids and making sure that, that uh, all pregnancies and all children are sort of wanted. So uh, we cover kind of a wide range of topics, and we think that one of the things that's sort of unique about this publication is that, in fact, it brings all of those different sources in one place and talks about how they're related to the issue of fatherhood and gender equality. And the report really is very comprehensive. How many, you, you said, was it two years you spent compiling this information? Um, I would say, yeah, about a, about a year and a half, something like that, yep. Um, wow, I mean, it, it really together. is. It's, it's mm-hmm. impressive how how it just touches on all areas and brings in information from all that. So so basically your organization kind of mined the data that was already out there and uh compiled it and put it together, you know, in in a in a format that just basically covered the issue of fatherhood in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that yeah. was that was our intention. We had, you know, we had a, a, a advisory board that helped us uh or editorial board that helped us helped us guide the the messages and the tone and the the types of information that we thought was was sort of the most uh compelling but there's there's a there's a wealth of research out there it's just not always again put together in the same place um and I think again that's and, one of the and, sort of unique contributions and why why was there a motivation to study fatherhood what was mm-hmm. the driving for factor here so I think, I mean, and this goes back a little bit to what you were mentioning, that many women have experienced this in their own lives. The issue of sort of fatherhood and caregiving is one that is relevant to all of us. So um, Pramundo, for example, does a lot of work in developing countries. We're starting some work in the U.S. as well. But this isn't an issue that's developing countries versus developed countries. It's really an issue that applies everywhere. Um, and the, the motivation for approaching the issue of caregiving is, you know, there's been decades of work on gender equality, um, and none of us would be where we are without that work and and those movements. Um, And it seems like women have really made tremendous, uh, had tremendous success in certain things. So, you know, in many countries in the world, women are now increasingly part of the formal workplace. Uh, These are advancements that are great. The things that haven't changed so much still are dynamics within the household. So there is there's not one country in the world when where men do the same amount as care work of care work as women. Which I, I you know, think it's interesting I, that you're statistic. pointing there is not one country. It's interesting that you're pointing this out. I I was just reading I've been rereading uh, Evan Stark's Coercive Control 
And he mm-hmm. makes the point uh, uh, very early on in his book about how much work has been done in the area of domestic violence and how much work has been done in the area of gender violence, da da da. But he and and women's rights and all that kind of stuff. But he very much distinguishes between the advancements that's happening out in the big world versus what's happening in the intimate day-to-day lives of women in the in the in personal mm-hmm. lives and how um in his opinion we haven't really made huge strides when it comes to to that particular arena that sounds almost like what you're kind of saying here yeah i think it's it's definitely one of the things that that we're saying i mean i think we basically and and a lot of the evidence really suggests this that we're not going to be able to achieve gender equality until men kind of globally do half of the of the care work at home um taking care of children, you know, keeping up the house, doing doing all the things that one needs to, to survive. Um, and so we, I would say that the other aspect of this is that engaging men through the issue of fatherhood or talking about men, talking to men about the issue of fatherhood is one that really matters to men as well. So the, the point of transition to becoming a father is often a very sort of key moment in a man, in, in a man's life, in a woman's life, in, in anybody's life, but it's it's sort of a nice entry point. It's a good entry point to thinking about change and and um, sort of what what your life is looking like. What are the things that you do that you're doing? Um, what are your values? So we also wanted to approach it from that perspective. That this is a this is a positive way of approaching these big topics of inequality. Okay. Let me interrupt right here, Rudy. I want to give out our phone number. I'd love to have your comments on this, the status of the world's fathers and fatherhood, 646-378-0430. That's 646-378-0430. Join us. Give us your comments if you have questions about the study um, or if you would like to go on to the webpage, which you're, you're listening to right now. We do have a chat room open. You can click on the chat room and type in a, a question or a comment that you'd like, and, I'll, and I will share it with our guests. So, again, 646-378-0430. Rudy, let's talk about why does this matter. Why does it matter? Mm-hmm. What is the What is the... How is this going to help children if fathers become more involved? Mm-hmm. So, or better, uh, better at I could talk about Yes, I could talk about this for a while. Um, again, <laughs> we, it's really, it's really the, the evidence is really quite clear that there's benefits kind of across the board. So, in terms of benefits for children, um, there's research that shows sort of improved. Um, cognitive development, improved social development of children who have their father involved. Now, one of the things that we try to be very careful about, um, and this is something that's difficult with research to really disentangle, but we aren't saying that all all families need to have a father and a mother and that the father has this very unique role that as a man he brings to the family. That's that's, that's not what we're saying, and that's actually not what the research suggests. What the research suggests is that when a child has more caregivers that are positive, that are supportive, that are nonviolent, the child does better. And so, children and are there, um, you know, at the risk of a wild general, generalization here, but are there certain characteristics and 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 uh, gifts or attitudes, or uh, is there a contribution that each gender makes? to that mixture of that little ideal childhood? Um, in general, no. And, you know, it's, again, it's okay. difficult to disentangle because we don't have a lot of examples where that is not the case and where we don't have kind of all of the gendered expectations um, put upon us. There is one thing where the, the, the sex of the parent really matters, which is men who are involved, who are equitable, serve as excellent role models, for their sons to become equitable, nonviolent men, and for their daughters to uh, also become kind of more empowered women. So that's, I think that's really the, the, the one place where the sex of the parent matters the most is in modeling more equitable behavior. Okay. And more equitable so um, I, 
I always have an argument with people, especially, and, and we're not going to talk a lot about courts, but um, the courts and custody, <laughs> I, you know, one of the things that they mm-hmm. seem so wedded to is the idea that everyone needs a father, everyone needs a father. And my personal opinion is I, it's wonderful if everybody has a father, but if it's a good father, if it's a destructive mm-hmm. or harmful father, better you shouldn't have mm-hmm. him. And yet mm-hmm. I've never seen that distinction made um, when people are espousing how wonderful fatherhood is. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, I, that's that's my my opinion on that whole thing, is that if it's a really, really bad father, better you shouldn't have him. Um, does the report distinguish at all between what is good fathering and what is not? Yes. I mean, we talk about sort of, again, positive, nonviolent, um, engaged fatherhood as, as what we strive for. For. Um, I think what's important to take into consideration here, though, is the kind of gendered way that we approach that in the sense that equally, if you have a mother that is not taking care of the child, um, right. you know, it's, it's, it's not exclusive to the father if the father is not a good parent. So basically, um, you know, we all need to, to be good parents um, if we have yes, children exactly. to care for. Um, we strive for nonviolence in our society. So the flip side of that is actually recognizing that men are as capable as women of being caregivers, and that's something that's um, not always so clear. And, you know, we, we often see um, – we're happy to see a little bit less of this, but if you think about kind of advertisements and, and things on TV, you often see the kind of bumbling father that doesn't know what he's doing and the mother rolling her eyes, you know, sort of on the side there and expected to kind of pick up the slack and fix it. Um, and those are really – those are really damaging stereotypes. I think they're they're damaging – to men because they make men feel like maybe they don't know what they're doing and, and also normalizes the idea that, in fact, they don't know. And they're also harmful to women who, you know, I wouldn't know what to do with, with um, in a particular situation either if I don't have a child. So um, so I think one of the, the main kind of objectives that we have with this report and with, with the campaign in general, um, the Medicare campaign, is to sort of break down some of those stereotypes. So... Mm-hmm. You know, even biologically, there's there's research that suggests that men who are kind of caring for babies have these hormonal changes in their body that sort of mirror the hormonal changes that women are going through. Um, it's it's a it's it's breaking these stereotypes that we have that men aren't as capable as being caregivers, and flip side of that is sort of naturalizing the caregiving for women and stereotyping women who either choose not to do that or who want to do other things and not allowing them the potential to to do that. Sure. So you've been talking about gender equality. Um, Specify. Gender equality means, I mean, in order to have gender equality, do I have to do dishes tonight and my husband does it tomorrow night? (laughs) what, What is gender equality and why is that so important for fatherhood? That is a great question. Um, so, again, gender equality is kind of a, a starting point for us when we, when we, for all the work that we do. Um, does it mean that you should do the dishes today and your and your partner tomorrow? No, it's not. I don't think it's as kind of give and take as that. It's more broadly the idea that men and women and within that all men and all women, as well as people who don't identify as either of those, um, have the opportunity and the possibility to achieve their full potential and have a wide range of choices that they can can make. So um, if I'm a woman that doesn't want to work or, or I'm sorry, that doesn't want to have children or um, a man who wants to stay full-time with his child at home, but those are options that are, just as reasonable, just as uh, accepted. Um, I'm not sure that that's a great definition. But if, if I can just interject a little bit. Mm-hmm. To me, the gender equality issue is more about respect for whatever work is being done. And I think traditionally we have tended to disrespect, you know, quote-unquote, women's work. That was not seen as important to the world or a con- huge contribution to the world um, as the the going outside the household and earning money types of, of work was considered. So when you say to me gender equality, 
I, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying about not, you know, we don't have to keep a chart of who did the dishes how many times last week. Um, gender equality has more to do with respect of the work that is done by either party. Is Does that make sense? The value of, of the I mean, work. Absolutely. I think that's one of the – I think this is a very big issue, and I would say that it's it's not something that's kind of gone in the past. I think it's still something that's very much the case, that care work is not valued as much as other types of work, um, even when it's paid. So if you think about people who work in daycares or things like that, those are not very well-paid positions. Um, we definitely do not value care work. So the issue of kind of the – thinking through the redistribution of care um, and allowing, you know, and, and the, a lot of the times we talk about um, women's burden of unpaid care, and if we could reduce that, it would allow them to enter the workplace or be more active in the workplace or advance in the workplace. That's a really important issue, and I'm really glad you brought up this other one. The flip side of that is also valuing the, the work that women are doing and one of the ways of doing that is to basically have everybody do more of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, sorry, kind of, people who aren't doing yeah. enough of it to do more of it. Yeah. I have a question in the chat room, and the question is, how does this gender equality in households um, uh, apply to third world countries? Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. I think sometimes uh, well, we are privileged enough to have time to think about things like gender equality. Um, if you're scrambling and and living in a hovel and trying to figure out how to get food, uh, do you have the luxury of worrying about gender equality? I don't know. What did the study show? I don't think you have the luxury of not worrying about it. Um, Uh, Gender equality is an issue in in all countries. Um, There are some countries where the disparity between the care work that women do and the care work that men do are greater um, than another. Scandinavia has less of a disparity um, than other countries or other regions, for example. Um, but, again, there's nowhere in the world where the, where the burden of, of care is equally shared. Um, but especially, I mean, actually, I don't want to say especially because I think, again, this applies everywhere. But in many countries um, that are still not as sort of economically advanced as, as we are here in the United States, um, the potential of the more equal distribution of care is enormous. So it, um, you know, again, it frees up women to participate in the workplace. It reduces family stress. It um, can just sort of have wide benefits um, in terms of in in terms of household relations and things like that. And that's where um, it's not just doing the care work, but it's really a transformation of power relationships in the household. So. Um, the, the you know more equal distribution of care work would generally emerge from kind of a sense that your partner is equal to you that you have to share the tasks in the household in order for the household to function um, and so that's where this this type of transformation I mean we have lots of evidence about both the economic and the social costs of inequality in okay. all over the world but especially in developing countries. Well, and it would seem to me that it's um okay let's 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 focus on the kids now. Why is it important mm-hmm. to children um that mm-hmm. there be strong fatherhood and I'm using the term so we, you know strong or good fathering um yeah, uh, you know which is fathering. I understand mm-hmm. it, not exactly very scientific you know, but it's like art, you know we know it when we see it <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um and that's i mean you know that's that's a that's a challenge for researchers and things like that. But um, basically, like I said earlier, you know, um, father involved fathers, so fathers who are positive and, and supportive and nonviolent, um, can help children kind of grow and develop. Um, it improves, like I said earlier, their, um, you know, cognitive development, social development, um, can can uh, basically help them sort of achieve their full potential. Again, this has a lot to do with just having additional caregivers. And the, 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 the main thing that I think is really, really compelling is we find, for example, around issues of violence that men who use violence in adulthood, if you sort of go back and look at their, their own life, you find that they had experienced violence or had witnessed violence against their, their mother 
Um, it's one of the biggest risk factors for, for perpetrating violence as a man, as an adult, is having witnessed violence as a child. And so men who model equitable, nonviolent parenting also sort of teach their children not to behave in that way. So there's this kind of, we call it the intergenerational transmission of violence. So having an equitable, nonviolent father helps to break that cycle. And at the same time, we also have research that shows that um, children who, who sort of see their parents interact in equitable ways, when they see their father being involved in the household, they're more likely to grow up to, to sort of value that and, and be that way in their own lives. Um, there's a really interesting study that showed that um, daughters of men who participated more in the household were more likely to have sort of greater aspirations to careers in, in um, sciences and, and things like that, things that we're trying to achieve, and suddenly you see, look, something that's happening in your household really makes a big difference. When we talk about um, fathering, do you know physiologically obviously there are differences between males and females you know that kind of thing mm -hmm. but from the standpoint of fathering um what i'm hearing mm -hmm. you say is that it has less to do with you know some sort of real gender as it has to do with the ability to truly get in there and care and participate am i mm -hmm. on the right track here yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, we do see there's some research that shows, you know, differences in the way that fathers interact with children versus mothers, but it's really hard to disentangle that from is this, you know, this is just the way that we've been socialized to be. And so if you, if you know, if you were in more equal relationships, if you had more space to be different types of men and different types of women, whether we would still see that difference and, um it's not a very it it's not something that's terribly consistent. I would say the research is still a little bit confused um and so really one of the one of the main kind of things that we try to emphasize is that there's a lot more diversity within sort of the category of men and the category of women than there is between the two. We talked about the benefits to children. Uh, with um, um, more involved and, and better fathering. But in the report, at least the, the, the information I read about the report, it also shows a real huge benefit to men who foster close relationships with their children. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that Ab section of the report? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh -huh. This is, you know, this is, I think, one of the things that's, that's underemphasized when we talk about kind of when we frame a report like this around the issues of gender equality, we often are kind of very focused on, on what that means for that. But I think it's really important to emphasize the benefits for men. Um, and I think, I mean, you already see it in the culture. Like we get, I see things all over the internet, all over, um, you know, news media around um, issues of paternity leave and fathers who want to spend more time with their children um, there's there's a bond that um, that you know a parent has with a child that enriches the life of the parent. Um, we find that men who are involved with their children when they're involved early on, they're more likely to remain involved. Um, they're healthier, they're happier. Um, you see a lot of men who want to have more um, more time with their children, and you know we're seeing uh, I think some research from the U.S. where you see men having sort of similar, sometimes even more work-life conflict issues where they want to spend more time with their families, but the culture of the workplace doesn't doesn't allow for it. Um, so I think that the, this is something that really has to be kind of emphasized more of the, the strong benefits of being, spending more time and doing more with um, with the family and the household. Well, in in one of the uh, press releases that went out about the uh, report, uh, I believe it was mm -hmm. Kate Gilmore. She works. She's an executive director, yep. executive director of the UN Population Agency, uh, UNFPA. Mm -hmm. uh, is there an mm -hmm. act? Can you just pronounce that? UNFPA. That UNFPA. Seem, uh, that's yeah. pretty awkward. Yeah. yeah. yeah anyway, she's quoted as saying mm -hmm. that men who have a close relationship with children live longer. They have fewer mental and physical health problems. They're less likely mm -hmm. to be dependent on drugs and more productive at work. And when we come to this issue of fatherhood, you know, a lot of organizations are now um, uh, providing uh, paternity leave 
And I know just mm-hmm. in the news just yesterday, Netflix and Netflix. I think it was Netflix or Google, one of the two, uh, came through mm-hmm. and said that they would give as much as a year paid leave for paternity leave. for yep. um, And maternity, uh, I believe, right? Both. The, well, the article that I read was focusing, of course, on mm-hmm. the paternity, so I'm mm-hmm. assuming that yep. it wouldn't be any less, but it didn't specify that it was maternity. Mm-hmm. But, um, wow, yep. you know, I mean, as a small business owner, wow, there's no way I could afford to pay somebody for a year if they didn't actually come in and work. So, you know, wow, mm-hmm. you know, good on, on uh, Netflix uh, that they can have the resources to do that. But not all companies have that resource. Why is it so important to have paternity leave? <coughs> I think in, in paternity leave is one of these policies that we see has enormous promise uh, to kind of set up the relationship, set up the standard of men being as kind of as capable, as able um, to care for a child. So paternity leave, um, just like maternity leave, gives you the opportunity to do that. So so the, the, the father cares for the child um, and has to do, you know, the day-to-day work. And it's very difficult without these types of policies. This is somewhere where the U.S. is sort of far behind um, because we don't provide as kind of a, as a general policy, we don't provide paid leave. And um, while we do have one of the things that's interesting about the U.S. is with FMLA, we actually provide the opportunity for equal leave for both men and women, which is not the case in many countries, that leave is unpaid, and when the leave is unpaid, it's it's just not realistic that people take it. Um, but paternity leave, again, is a policy that has a lot of potential, and while I agree it might seem like a small organization or a small business might not be able to do this, there should be ways that, you know, state funding or things like that would allow parents to take time off, perhaps not a year, but a, a longer period of time than, than is now possible. The other thing, so, so there's a need for kind of a change in policies and a way to finance these policies, but there's also really a need to change the culture both in organizations and just overall where, you know, I think we still are very surprised when we when men take paternity leave or take time off when, when they have a young child. Um, so we have to change, but, but we're much less surprised if women do so. Um, so we really have to change the culture both outside the workplace and inside the workplace to allow people to, to take the time off to do what, you know, what needs to be done, one needs to care for the child. And at the same time, you need systems that help support families to do that. So uh, subsidized child care, you know, available high-quality child care, things like that, that that allow families to sort of successfully raise their children. It's interesting to me the sociological changes that, uh, I mean, you know, 150 years ago, uh, mom and dad both worked on the family farm and they had six Mm -hmm. or eight kids and, you know, and and everybody just kind of worked together. And, and of course, as, you know, uh, in, in the last 20, 30 years, Families are more separate. You know, we don't live generations together in the same household. Um, Mom goes one place, dad goes one place, kids go another place. Um, It seems almost that culturally we have encouraged the distance between fathers and even mothers and their offspring. Did any of that come up in the report at all? Uh, I mean, I think the issue of change over time and how kind of Parenting has changed, and, and just the world has changed. You know, in the last, in the last, um, however many years, that that does come up. But I, I actually would counter with you the the issue, especially in the United States. I think the research suggests that in general, parents sort of spend more time with their children than they used to. There's this kind of idea of the hovering parent and things like that. Um, that's in the United States. That's that's definitely a trend. Um, our families may be more separate. I'm not sure. We, you know, we didn't go into to enough depth in, in any particular place to talk about that. What does come through very clearly is that families and fathers are changing. Um, we had a we had a very exciting launch event of the report where where Kate Gilmore was, uh, where Chelsea Clinton attended, um, and one of the questions was, in fact, if you were to describe the kind of issue of the state of the world's fathers, how would you describe it? And my response was, it's changing. Um, We do see that men are spending more time 
wanting to care for children. We see, you know, women much more in the workplace, which sort of requires then men to do more in, in uh, heterosexual families. Um, we see uh, just kind of a, a change in the desire for gender equality, the desire to, to be able to have um, more time with that fathers express to have more time with children. So those things are definitely changing and changing fast. I mean, even just what you mentioned, kind of Netflix and the news and paternity leave in the news, I think that's um, a testament to how sort of significant this issue is in, in people's lives. Yeah. Well, right now there's only about 12% of American companies, anyway, that offer uh, maternity yep. or paternity leave that's paid. I think there's that's a lot paid. of companies mm-hmm. that offer to hold your job for you if you take some time off. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, that that's actually, uh, and according to Human Resource Management uh, or the Society for Human Resource Management, we've actually lost ground there. Because right now there's about 12% of American companies who offer paid leave, Mm -hmm. uh, and that's down from 17% five years ago. So it seems to me that maybe this is economically driven. Uh, You know, five years ago, Mm -hmm. you know, we were still, um, uh, you know, the the economy perhaps has driven uh, this reduction in the paid leave uh, for both parents, Mm -hmm. uh, both genders of parents. I don't know. that brings me to another question, which is, you know, from for us to be standing here or sitting here or whatever we're doing, uh, talking about, you know, uh, what, what's um, ideal for children and what's, what is good parenting, both from fathers and mothers, but specifically fathers, um, it, it's kind of what – actually, this is, this is not a discussion that we can have without talking about um, governments and policies. Because Absolutely. so much of this – driven by governments and by policies. And, of course, governments and policies differ from country to country. Um, how mm-hmm. does that factor into the report? How, how you know, with so such diversity between the governments in the world and, and how they choose to either support or not support, um, how, how did that factor into the report? It seems to me that that would be a really tough thing to to make a mm-hmm. cohesive report, and yet you guys did it. So explain <laughs> yes. to me. Well, we, sure. Um, I mean, we tried in each uh, each kind of topic or area that we that we set out in the report to um, kind of talk about the different levels at which change is needed. And of course, policy and government um, is is a key is a key area. And so we have. Um, you know, we looked at we looked at leave policies around the world, um, and while you have kind of some countries that do much better than others, and some countries that do much less well than others, in general, you still see issues of inequality, um, and at the same time, you see things kind of moving in a particular direction. So, what we did with the report is in in we have some overall recommendations, and we also have recommendations related to specific topics. And there we kind of bring together what the the general um, – what you sort of might want to look at. So, again, if you wanted to learn about just the United States, it would be difficult to do just from this, you know, you wouldn't have all the information you needed there. But it gives you the kind of arguments and the type of questions that you should be asking to look at. So, you know, what kind of policies do we have around um, – kind of the workplace that that either allow or don't allow for more caregiving. Um, What kind of policies do we have around uh, corporal punishment? You know, in the U.S. there's some places where where actually corporal punishment in the home is not not banned. Um, In many countries it is. Uh, So we talk about, you know, we present the evidence where we have it. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, analysis of policies across countries to do, and we try to show some promising examples in different countries. So, for example, going back to the issue of paternity leave, um, you know, the, the, the very basic kind of policy aspect that needs to be there is it has to be paid. If leave is not paid, it privileges only very few people who can take it. It kind of generates more inequality um, across class. So paternity leave has to be paid. Um, and another thing that, that we see from a lot of countries that have implemented paternity leave policies is that you have to actually kind of, or parental leave policies, you have to kind of designate a certain number that are, it's like a quota for men to take, that if you don't take them, the family, assuming it's a heterosexual family, loses out. 
provides a sort of extra impetus for men to actually take the leave because there's lots of other issues around the workplace and around kind of the norms that we have that don't make it so easy for men to do that. So um, countries like Iceland, various other Scandinavian countries, as you know, when they put in these kind of daddy days, as they call them, time that is reserved for fathers to take versus time that families kind of allocate as they wish, um, actually increased the number of men who started doing more caregiving at home. So we, you know, we can pull out some kind of policy examples that, um, that one can look at to see what, you know, what would work best in a particular context. The Sweden, I believe, is one of the countries where they get a government benefit, but only if the fathers take off. I think it's two months that they have to take off um, before the child is eight years old or they lose their government benefits. Um, well, that doesn't seem all that much, two months to take off in eight years. You know, <laughs> I can't right. imagine that that's a hardship. <laughs> I mean, even if you take it off one day at a time, you're going to be taken off a couple of months You know, during an eight-year period mm-hmm. of raising a child. Um, but interestingly enough, uh, what the this study, or well, the, I didn't get this from your study, but one of the, some of the research I did indicated that um, mothers' incomes increase yep. the more in direct relationship or uh, to mm-hmm. the amount of t- uh, paternity leave fathers take. Yep, we've got that in here too, actually. Uh huh. Now, same study. do you think yeah, that's absolutely. because? Yep. Do you think that's because mothers are just working more if dad is there to take care of the child? Or do you think that that's actually think, an increase in potential earnings? You know, I think I, I would have to go back and look at the study to see what, what specifically is there. But in general, I think that the the idea is that it can be both. Um, if you think about, and, and we see this very clearly, one of my um, – one of my kind of, I wouldn't say favorite, but one of the, the what I think are sort of the mo- more compelling uh, graphs in the report that we have is uh, what we call the price of motherhood, where we look at the gender pay gap um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. for, for men and women who have children. And this is for men and women aged 25 to 44, so kind of prime working time. And you see that when men and, you know, when there, where there are no children, in many countries, there is a pay gap, um, meaning women earn uh, less than men. There's a couple countries when, where women earn more when they don't have children. But when they have children, the gap just increases really dramatically. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. It can be that, you know, women um, work, you know, take more sort of part-time work or they make sort of accommodations in their jobs or they don't advance as quickly. Um, and so if the – we believe, and, and some of the research suggests, that if you could make those issues less related to gender, um, then we would have more equality both in the workplace and out of the workplace. Well, I think you bring up an interesting point, which is having children costs, uh, it, it, whether you're male or Absolutely. female, whether, you know, having children costs. They they don't come mm-hmm. free, uh, you know, psychically or um, uh, dollar-wise. <laughs> And right. we, when we have children, we do make decisions. We may decide to change from this job that pays more but requires more travel to a job that pays less but allows me to be home more. Um, how mm-hmm. much of, of those kinds of decisions reflect um, social injustices and how much of them are reasonable and uh, ex- expected uh, choices to make when you choose to have a family? I don't know the answer to that. I'm throwing it out. You're the right. expert. You give me the answer to that. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess, I mean I we all make choices. So if I make a choice to um, um, not go to college and instead have a, an extended five-year gap year or something, then that's going to make a difference in my lifelong uh, earnings potential. If I choose to have children and, and make some of these other choices, how much of that is just my choice and how much of it reflects some sort of social injustice that we need to correct? So, I mean, you're you're kind of delving into the kind of core of a lot of sociological thinking and, and theorizing. Um, I think it's 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 it depends on a lot of, a lot of different things. It depends on certain circumstances. What we want to kind of get to a place of is for a lot of people, um, these choices are somewhat constrained by what they think is expected of them or what is expected of them. Um, mm-hmm. So, so part of what 
kind of we all strive for is to make a world where those choices are not constrained by your gender, by your sex, uh, meaning yeah. that it would be yeah. equally acceptable for a man or a woman and equally common for a man and a woman to choose a particular thing. So, you know, you can go back to the idea of choice, but why is it that we're finding that so many more women are the ones mm-hmm. who stay home part-time? Um, is it that women don't, you know, don't want to be working or is it that this is the expectation and that men don't want to be at home with their children or are these the expectations that we're setting forth for, uh, yeah. that, you know, the kind of our world the way it is now is there. So, um, I mean, I think... Or that, you know, or what you were of, talking about before with that gender uh, wage gap, you know, maybe it makes more sense absolutely. for mom to stay home because her earning potential isn't as high as his, you know, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that, in doing a little research for the show, um, you know, I mean, I read the, the report and or the synopsis of the report, and I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, oh, this is good, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But not everybody views some of these things as positive. Mm-hmm. For example, yes. a headline that I saw from Upworthy, I don't know if you're familiar with that that site or not, mm-hmm. but they tend to be pretty liberal in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, when they were reporting on Netflix, giving you know, extending um, parental leave, their headline mm-hmm. was, Netflix is giving employees a year of paid parental leave so they can binge watch their babies. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's interesting. I, I mean, that definitely has a negative tone to it, that somehow or other there, it implies, at least to me, that there's something wrong with people people wanting to just be there for a year for their babies. Um, mm-hmm. When you were doing the report, did you uh, find attitudes like that 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 did not support um, either parent focusing more on, on their children, or was that outside the, the scope of your, your research? Um, I would say, I mean, we would see probably more kind of groups or arguments that are kind of less supportive of issues of equality or that focus very much on, well, you know, fathers as men bring this very particular, uh, bring something very specific, and women bring something very specific. Um, but I don't, I don't think we saw, you know, I think we didn't see much of kind of a, a negative view of kind of overall spending time with children or caring for children. It was more around, you know, who's supposed to do it. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So that, we're, we're, when that. I read that that headline, did that surprise you? Mm-hmm. I mean, does that is that just me that saw something negative in that? I well, no, I mean, I think I think it's not framed very well, but I feel like and this is because one of my colleagues in the office just told me about this that they might be giving away Netflix might be giving away like a year of free subscription to new parents. Um, I'm not sure. Oh, so you think this is just a, a little there, tongue-in-cheek headline? <laughs> I, think, I think it might be. Um, yeah, but, that you know, could be. And in some ways, it actually recognizes the sort of tedium of of young children. But um, yeah. while how exciting it is, a lot of the um, and this is something that we that we try to emphasize too. So when we're talking about fathers doing you know more around the house and and more of the care work, it's not just the kind of fun part. Which, playing with the child or whatever, it's it's all of the really hard work that goes into kind of yeah. raising a child and, and having a household, um, yeah. you know, changing diapers and uh, staying up all night. Yeah, because if you haven't done kind of that kind of thing, I mean, I mean the, the tedium of, of raising children cannot be overstated, <laughs> you know, um, and mm-hmm. the fact, but somebody has to do it. Um, so, you know, when, when you mentioned that, that tedium, I mean, it's, uh, it's not mm-hmm. all, oh, isn't this wonderful and glorious and, oh, we get to see little, little Johnny, you know, for smile. Yeah, you do, but you also get to see little Johnny making messes and, you know, sleeping right. and, um, I, I think one of the biggest shocks to me after I had my first child was I didn't have time for a shower and I, I yep. could not <laughs> life and they figure out. This baby sleeps all the time, supposedly. Why can I not get a 10-minute shower in? I mean, it, it's just inconceivable <laughs> until you've experienced it, how it could take that much time to do nothing. Um, and and it, it, it is, uh, it's hard from that standpoint. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that 
traditionally a lot of people who don't want to do that hard work shy away from any kind of child care. But of course, there's you know there are rewards with it as well. But you know it's tough. It's tough um, to mm-hmm. to raise children. I wanted to, um, you know, kind of mention this uh, simply because whenever the issue of fatherhood comes up, of course, we get the issue of father's rights and custody, which is a huge mm-hmm. issue in our country right Absolutely. now. I'm not sure about other countries. And um, the arguments that the courts seem to buy is that fathers can be just as good a caretaker as, as mothers, and so therefore everything has to be viewed 50-50. I even had a uh, – I, I, I have had – uh, conversations with a, a woman in another part of our state who, very young woman, had just given birth to a baby with her boyfriend, a baby, a three-week-old baby, and the judge determined that that baby should spend a week with the father and a week with the mother at three weeks of age. And I keep, I, you know, it, it really distressed me, and I know I'm old-fashioned, but I, I kept thinking, isn't that going to, like, really screw up that child to say nothing about forget breastfeeding? You're not going to be able to breastfeed. Um, you know, you can't pump for a week and maintain a milk supply. You know, and so I was just really appalled by that particular decision. Um, but I also um, uh, see all of these custody issues where um, uh, fathers who are not necessarily exemplary um, are getting either full custody or uh, equal custody with children, and. The, the studies are showing that those fathers who are gaining custody are, are are going for custody out of a out of a need for control, not necessarily out of a need for true parenting. When you see a report like the fatherhood thing, do do you see any connection at all with what might be happening in our courts? Um, do you think that this is going to provide more ammunition for fathers to go for custody of children from, you know, out of a spite issue? Do you see any connection at all? And I understand that that puts you in kind of an awkward position, uh, but I do think it's important that we address this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and it's you know it's it's something that we kind of talk about and, and grapple with on a on a day to day basis. Um, care in this report kind of stands quite separate from a lot of the fathers' rights groups who I think would actually argue the opposite of what you're saying in terms of trends in the courts. So they would say that courts actually favor mothers and, you know, require fathers to pay, but they yeah. give Actually, the, the research child. doesn't support that. The research does not support that. And, um, and I think one of the things that's really important is to kind of understand that a lot of men are coming to these groups from a, pain, from a place of a lot of pain and frustration um, and so kind of just starting with the re- with that recognition. Um, but at the same time, you know, we we believe very strongly that, that parents don't have a right to be a parent. It's the child that has a right to have parents that care for him or her. Um, and so starting from that perspective, starting from the kind of best interest of the child is where courts should be sort of making their determinations. Now, um, sure, are we making an argument that both men and women are equally capable of caring for children? Yes, and so we are hoping that, um, but you know, we're hoping that when when parents are in fact that committed, when the culture changes to be this kind of equal way, that some of these challenges would be less complicated. Now, you know, separation, divorce, those are really complicated issues. Each situation is a little bit different. Um, and one of the things that we tried to do to make sure in the report that we sort of very carefully address this, in, and this is where the main difference comes in with, with these fathers' rights groups um, compared to, to groups like ours, is that a lot of the times they, the issue of equality is not one that they support. They, they tend to take more conservative positions. Um, and so that's where the kind of main difference in separation is. How... Um, do you see this? Re- What's the future of this report? How do you see this report having an impact mm-hmm. in the world? Well, I can tell you all about that, actually. Um, so, you know, we're really excited. This is the first report that we've done like this, and it's it's gotten a, a very good reception. Um, I think it's an issue that people have been sort of talking about for a long time. Um, feminists have been talking about kind of the, the unequal birth care care burden and things like that. Other groups have been talking about kind of well-being of children. So this is sort of a nice place to bring that together. Um, 
we are planning for this report to, to, you know, every couple of years we'll have another State of the World Fathers as our plan at the moment. Um, we're actually, we've decided that there's enough to talk about in the U.S. that we're working on a U.S. version um, oh, for next year. So we're hoping to launch in, yeah, June of 2016, um, a report that's, that's kind of more focused on the U.S. and the inequalities shape the way that we have families in this country. Um so that that that's coming, and again, we're we're in we have mentor partners in many countries that kind of work on these issues day to day with their governments, with program examples. Um, it's it's not so simple, right? We can't just say like, oh yeah, we should you know, we should value fathers. Fathers should do the care work. It's a it's a long process of having policies in place, having systems that are kind of able to, to, to cope and deal with this in, in productive ways, including the justice system. Um, it's kind of training and raising children to become caregivers, which I think, you know, in, in, in many countries, women and girls get a lot of experience with this. Not always. Um, so it's something that we have to kind of put invest in young people to become, to become good parents in the future, so um, and equal parents in the future. So these are many things to be done, and our partners in many countries are working both in programs and in things like that to get there. And if anybody is interested in more information, both about the report and the work that, that many of these men care partners are doing, um, our website, if it's okay to, to do some promotion here, is uh, www.men-care.org. And if you Google men care, you'll also, you'll also yeah. find us. And, you know, again, there's it, it, it looks a little different in each country, but the kind of need to change policies, the need to change systems, the need to change social norms um, is really quite similar around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, the, in the, the grand scheme of things, worldwide, we've got our Scandinavian mm-hmm. countries that are very um, uh, open and, and they have very um, um, policies that really encourage uh, paternity mm-hmm. and uh, paternity leave, whatever. We're somewhere down in that scale as the United States. and then, But then you've got countries where they're either so poor or so politically ravaged. Uh, what, what is, how, how do you see this report being a factor for some of those countries where um, parenthood is just not up there in the high priorities of things? Or am I wrong? Mm-hmm. Are there is there a country where you know am I making assumptions that aren't there? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I think in in many, in fact, in some ways, in, in many poorer countries, there's been much more investment, um, partly because of need, partly because of, of of many other things. In, for example, issues of gender equality, issues of you know family planning, sexual health, um, issues of violence that 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 are are quite high, but are also quite high in this country, um, where there's sort of a lot of focused investment on those issues, we think that talking about gender and talking about gender inequality, which inevitably ends up, you know, with a discussion of what what does equality in the household mean and and therefore kind of what does fatherhood and motherhood and and parenting and family mean, um, that, that all of these things do actually come up and are relevant really in many, many different contexts. Um, you know the 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 need for women to enter the workforce in many countries that would allow for greater kind of economic development that's a bit of an sort of instrumentalist argument but um but it's something that that's happening and that's valued and that's that's important so um I think it really it really is an issue that's kind of relevant and able to be worked on kind of everywhere, yeah. Well, very good, and I'm glad to hear that you're going to be doing some more reports. And, again, uh, if you would just give us contact information if people want to know more about the report. Sure. Um, again, my name is Ruti Levtov. You can find me on the, uh, if you Google Promundo, P-R-O-M-U-N-D-O, um, our website is promundoglobal.org, um, or if you go onto the MenCare website, it's www.men-care.org and you can easily link from there to the report you can download the report Um, we have a cool film that goes with the report Uh, so please join us we're we're excited to, to have people join on social media and all sorts of things 
Yeah. Well, and Rudy, thank you so much for being with us and, and answering my questions and, and uh, telling us more about the report. And I, got, I have to say, I was so, I mean, basically, I was surprised by the report because basically you peel away all of the information and all of the details, and basically it says the status of fatherhood and the future for children depends on gender equality. And that is, um, you know, I, 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 that is something I believe in. And so um, I, it was refreshing for me to see that in a big formal report that meant so, that has such significance. So thank you, Rudy. I always I'm really show, glad. <laughs> I, I always end our show with a quote. Today's quote is, being a father is a choice. Staying true to fatherhood is a duty. And that's by Joan Ambu. Thank you for joining us. Three Women, Three Ways. Join us again next week. I think we're going to have a talk about uh, marijuana. So join us again next week for Three Women, Three Ways. Thank you again, Ruti Leftoff. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Heather.